right, greetings everybody. Welcome back to Depth Charge and oh my god, we um this is like a new setting. Yeah, we're still at uh, Oak's house. <laughs> and uh we got video going on. I don't I know. know if that's gonna disturb me or not, but I'm gonna just try to ignore it. <laughs> well <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm trying not to look at it. Don't okay. worry. I mean you have to look at it. We have a guest. We're supposed to look at our guest. Well, thank you well, very much for having saying. me. Like this is yeah, the, exactly. this is the only time you're gonna see the camera. You haven't even in- introduced our guest yet. Well not yet. I mean <laughs> now we have Mr. Raphael here. Oh, what's your full name, man? Wow, my full name. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I love about uh, you know Latin uh, people. It's just okay. like they have like a really. So funny. my full name is Rafael Ricardo Lopez Sanchez. Ah, you see, Rafael Ricardo Rafael Lopez, Lopez Sanchez. Sanchez. Yeah, wow. that's the all, all the cool names of the Latin people I know. I know like Sanchez is a uh, well. I know many Sanchez. Antonio Sanchez is one. Right. Yeah, I think isn't that one that's a boxer? A boxer? That probably is. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, Lopez. Well, you have Jennifer Lopez. You yeah, know? it's a big and one. Ricardo. Ricardo is nice. What's this? What's, what's the second one? Lop- uh, Rafael Ricardo. Lopez Sanchez. Sanchez. Okay. So that's it. That right. You just pick two for your Facebook um, thing. Yeah. Yeah, usually, yeah. But <laughs> for all official stuff, you kind of have to put everything. Oh, right. All, all your names and last names. But usually you have like, oh, in the passport, it's always full name, middle name, and last name. So what would you put in that case? My dad has four, a four part name. Oh really? Yeah. Oh okay. No. Yeah, I still have four. Yes, and and actually, there's there's people that have three names plus two last names in mm. in let's say Spanish or Latin culture. Ah, so okay. So it's I only like have two. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna have another go at introducing what's going on in this podcast episode today because sometimes because um, we're supposed to do a better job of introducing it to that. <laughs> I, okay. I guess I'm gonna yeah we'll write something in in the podcast notes. But anyway, I guess today is a local musician, musician, uh, sound engineer, um, Rafael Ricardo Lopez Sanchez, and we're mm. gonna talk about whatever comes up really. Uh, yeah. But it's probably gonna be a lot of uh, music stuff. Well, and uh, also food, origin stuff, you know, and love making. Anyhow, we're in Oak's house, <laughs> and I'm curious what uh, coffee table books Oak decided to show the camera. <laughs> Rock and roll stories, <laughs> some photography stuff, and some poems. Guns and roses, <laughs> of course. Oak's, That's Oak's, my shit. Oak's show, is that your shit? Well, I don't know. I mean, well, I, I, I he, he knows my shit, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You can never go wrong with Guns N' Roses. Anyway, so we're in the, we got the right setting. We got some music books on the table, and we have some like uh, vinyls here. With some vinyls, yeah. Which uh, Rafael is very good at. I I haven't been to your house, but I heard you have a big collection. Oh my god, I think it's yes. uh, triple this. Definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, way more than this. Yeah, yeah. way more. Yeah. I think it's like a whole whole uh, wall of this, from what I remember. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so uh, tell us tell us about yourself. Where were you born? Uh, yeah, where did you grow up? Well, I was uh, born in in Caracas, in Venezuela, 
no, in South America. Yep. And I grew up there pretty much, no, until I finished uh, studying sound engineering, and then I moved to Spain. You you studied sound engineering in Caracas. Yes. Yeah. Interesting, man. Yeah. Well, uh, um, is that like a easy th easy thing to have studied in a university there, or, co or a common thing, or? Um Actually, not very common to mm. to to be honest. I actually started in let's say basic engineering, and I did uh, one year doing that, and then I switched to sound engineering. Okay. Ah, okay. So uh, were you already a mu playing musician at that point? At Where the time, like yes, yeah. I was playing. I was playing music. I was playing already. At the time, I was playing electric bass. Uh -huh. Ah, okay. so you started with electric bass. I started with electric bass. Oh. Yes, but bass I has always been your instrument. Yes, I actually started with uh, classical guitar. Okay. With, oh. uh, but I end up playing the the bass strings. No. <laughs> so I get it. Then I <laughs> said to myself, oh, maybe you know, like maybe maybe better switch." Oh, okay, mm. interesting. Right. Well, when was that? How old was that when you start to think? Wow, about that? that was a long time ago. So I started classical guitar when I was maybe fifteen. Oh, oh, interesting, man. Yeah. And you decided to switch to bass at what age? Uh, maybe a year after, oh, wow, around maybe fast. like 16, I started with electric bass. I got my first electric bass. What is your fascination with bass? Uh, I just like the, I guess the sensations on the, of the low frequencies. Mm, the sensation. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of sensation? Yeah, they just, they just... Hey, well, I'm with you. I play baritone saxophone, as you know, and uh, it's like this. It's yeah, a different thing, right? you know. Is the uh, it's actually the air moving? You mm. know, you can actually feel it. You can feel the rumble. Yeah, true. So it's a it's a different feel for sure. And then later on, of course, I I end up liking the function of the bass too. Mm. You know, that is is kind of the link, you no, know, between. Uh, rhythm and harmony. Well, for sure, man. Yeah. Um, so, like, I suppose some people might think uh, you wouldn't call like starting at fifteen early. Uh, some people might even call it late. But I, I read the other day. I think I, I'd heard this before because the great Wayne Shorter just died um, a couple of days ago, right? Yes. He, he only started. He only started at fifteen. He picked up. I forget whether it was clarinet or saxophone for the first time at fifteen. And then, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, it really, for me, really is about how many hours you put mm. into the instrument or whatever you're it's doing. So true, you know. Mm. So of course, if you start younger, then pretty much you can have more time mm. because since you're a child, well, you don't have to work usually. And so you have more time for that. No, being a, an adult, then you have the adult life that is kind of getting in the way. You know. Hmm. So I've never been to um, South America, Latin America. So I have no idea what kind of uh, envir musical environment is it. If you grew up there, what kind of uh, music were you exposed to when you were young? Uh, well, uh, of course, Latin music in general. 
that is a, a big thing there. Also, uh, let's say Venezuelan music, traditional Venezuelan music too, something that is not really known mm. uh, internationally. Right. But a lot of that Latin music from everywhere in Latin America, in, including Brazil, no, of course. Yeah. And, well, some rock and pop as well, no, from the Anglo world, no? Hmm. How, but how though, like um, from TV or, or like what's, uh, how did you experience it? Like is it, were there a lot of live music around? Do people play I don't know at home, uh, like friends play uh, or at school. I'm just, I'm just like wondering, you know, how how you got the music. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, in in my house, uh, my parents uh, they they like music. They listen to music. So they had a collection of music. They already yeah. had a small vinyl collection and then CDs and cassettes and all that. Right. So that's. That's one way, of course. And then I do. I did have some friends that uh, play music too. And of course, then you have radio, TV at the time, no? Yeah. Internet was not invented yet. Mm. Right, right. So for me, it was more about uh, exchanging music too with friends, going to friends' houses and listen to this album or whatever somebody brought it from abroad, or mm, you know, yeah. it was a different experience for sure. Hmm. Mm. So, how long did you stay in uh, Venezuela? Uh, well, I moved. Ooh, I moved when I was 21. Hmm, okay. I, I actually went first to the to New York. Wow. And I was studying music there. Okay. And then in the year 2000 I moved to Spain to Barcelona. Oh, wow. How long did you stay in in New York? I stayed like well, I did one semester. Oh, okay, one semester. Yeah. In a college of music I was studying uh, well, jazz double bass. No? Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, that's an interesting. So, and music um, in general, of course, you know. But, so, yeah. when did, uh, yeah, okay, so you said a lot of Latin, mu Latin music, some rock, some pop. When did jazz first um, catch your attention? Well, for me, it was uh, when I started actually studying sound engineering. And there, I mean, this, in the sound engineering program, you also have music. So, right. as, a, as a subject, you know, like theory and stuff. And there I started to listen to just because of some friends. You know, I, I have a friend, he, at the time he was a drummer, and his teacher recommends some, some album, albums to him, hmm. you know, and then I started to, to know about so more more seriously. Of course, I've, I have heard jazz music yeah, yeah. before yeah, yeah. but now more with more attention right so what was your, the first album if you can re recall that uh, he suggested you well one one of the albums that i clearly remember is the first album of mahavishnu orchestra ah nice uh -huh. which one yeah. More in like a jazz rock. Or yeah, yeah, I love it. Know. It's my favorite band. Yeah, one so. One of my many favorite bands. Mm. And of course, uh, Beaches Brew, mm -hmm. Miles Davis, 
another album from Max Roach. At the time, I think it was We Insist. That guy seems sadistic, man, to just like put Maha Wisnu first. He's like, here, take this off your ass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but actually it was a good, a good connection point because if you, uh, I was actually coming from listening to, to a lot of, let's say, rock. You know, at the time it was the 90s. So, of course, I was listening to the grunge stuff. Mm. But I was also listening to, to more hard stuff like... Uh, well, let's say Metallica or Pantera or Sepultura, mm. that kind of stuff. Wow. So I think Mahavishnu was a good good start, you know, because mm. they do have some rock, uh, oh, man. you know, stuff in there. I still remember the first time I heard it. It blew my brains out. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was the same. I was like, what is this? I think it was you like know? calling out the spirit. Just like, bomb. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, man. And then hearing, hearing Billy Cobham play, he oh. was like, who is this guy, you know? <laughs> the thing is, I didn't, I didn't know that it was a violinist playing with uh, uh, John McLaughlin yeah. at that time too, right? And Eric Ponty, like, who, who was it? No, before it was another guy, yeah, before, before Jean-Luc Ponty. Yeah. I don't remember his name, but Me another, either. yeah, a very good one too. Yeah. Yeah, and but that was like it was the first record, you know, and it was yeah. like, whoa, <laughs> the the velocity in that man, the whole man. Yeah. Man. So and from that point onward, well, starting to dig, you know, more about jazz mm-hmm. and John McLaughlin, and then oh, he played with Miles Davis too in this album, and mm-hmm. and you know, and so on, no. And then oh, I bought a record, the first uh, Lifetime record from Tony Williams was with John McLaughlin and what is his name? And a guy that played organ, really good one. Uh, I don't remember his name. But, and that was also like, wow. Hmm. Man, yeah, I I think that's like the essence of like making, you know, why I want to make good albums is just to have that feelings, you know? Yeah. That that when I got, when I first listened to any albums, you know, that, that first emotional, take you know having said that have you ever made any uh, album of your own yes oh interesting man yeah um where can we find it where can we well you can find it right now online yeah. yes i have uh one in in let's say my record label mm, i have yeah. a record label wow, with okay. a, with a partner that. in spain what's your record label called uh, Discordian Records. Discordian Records. Yes. Interesting, man. Can we put a link in the podcast thing? Yeah, yeah of course. All right. Ah, yeah. Cool. And Discordian. it's actually kind of like the second album of the of the label. So mm. it's been already. What kind a while. of uh, album? What kind of label is it? What What do you? It's represent? a label that is uh, pretty much about, let's say, non-conventional music. Mm. So pretty much uh, either improvisational music uh, mixed with free jazz or contemporary music or anything in between. Oh, that's, that's great, man. I want to get more into that, but I think we should go back to the background of how you came about, you know. Sure. So he moved to, uh, you moved to Spain. Yes. To Bas- Bas- how, you, how, how you pronounce it? 
Well, it depends. Whatever. I pronounce it Barcelona. Okay. But you can say Barcelona. Ah, okay. You know? You know, I don't, I don't want to get anybody offended. <laughs> when you, uh, I'm curious, when you went from uh, Venezuela to Spain, did you have a strange accent for Spanish people? Uh, well, yes, of course, I have a different accent. You know, mm. it's like if an American goes to yeah, England, right. okay. yeah, so yeah. you are spotted right on, right? There you go, that's my stupid question for the for this section <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nothing is stupid, man. But at the time, not, not many people from Venezuela were living there. So right. they're actually, they, they were thinking I was from the Canary Island. Oh, there yeah. is, there's some island in Spain, yeah, yeah. but they're actually, they're actually African islands, you mm. know, they're in Africa. Right. And wow. the people there, they have an accent that is similar to the people in South America, particularly Venezuela, interesting. Cuba. Hmm. So. Interesting, very interesting. Um, okay, so, uh, well, actually, though, even before, I wanted to go back a little bit further, like even before you went to Spain, when you were studying sound engineering, um, what were you thinking you would do? Or what was your, like, what was your interest? Did you have in mind that you would, you know, record, or were you thinking, like, production for, you know, because sound engineering could be, like, for concert halls or for oh, yeah, uh, all yeah, sorts for of different sure. use. Uh, for uses, me at right? the time, it was more about uh, the studio. I wanted to right. to work in the studio, mm. you know, mostly. Right. right. That's yes. I really like. I still really like to to be in the studio. I think it's a great mm. environment. It is. So yeah, I hear you, man. That was my my idea, but later on, I started doing live sound too, and I really I really like it too. Mm. So those are my ma main two right. areas of sound engineering. I never really. Uh, went for uh, movies or commercials or mm. that kind of stuff. Some mm. sound engineers find it hard to do live sound when they're very studio oriented. Or, um, do you have uh, problems? What? Uh, well, it's two different setups, you know. Yeah. Uh, in the studio, you usually have more time mm. and you can let's say, do-overs, mm -hmm. you know, in a way. It's, it's a different, different, different thing. Yeah. For the life, is, is you got to be in the moment. You got to act quick. You mm -hmm. got to be fast because it's happening there. Yeah, and whatever fire. problems you have, you got to solve them. So. Yeah. so you like that, that tension? I do like it, yeah, mm. in live sound. I like the, you know, the, uh, somehow the adrenaline that yeah, you get yeah, from, yeah. and the reward when, you know, you, you have a good sound system mm. is, is great, you know? Mm. And the scale too, you know, because even in the studio with the speakers, you, I mean, you can only get so far, you know? Mm. But in a live situation, you can have some pretty big sound system that yeah. really move you, you know, yeah. so... So, wow, um, man, so many questions after that. I mean, there's like studio question and there's like live concert question. Wait, which one you want to go first? Uh, well, I suppose I'm one, like I'm wondering, um, uh, there are like philosophical considerations with uh, sound engineering for the studio. Like, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, like just over the years, I've read that some people, some bands, some well-known bands, bands that I like, you know, I've tried to, create as, as um, live a playing environment as they mm. can. Other bands, you know, 
just everything's isolated and done separately and whatever. Oh what, yeah. What kind of um, <clears throat> like what kind of experience and what kind of approach do well, you? Well, I have I have done them all. Right. No, from everybody in one room playing live to overdubbing, you know, doing track by track and nobody's really connected. So what do you feel about it? I mean, what's your And own? for me, uh, the, the, the idea that I like is people playing together. So because, you know, if you're in a band, if you're making music with other people, right. well, that is actually what's happening. So for me to then go into the studio and change that process, it feels that it's not honest. It's not the natural thing to do because when you play with some people, you do play at the same time, mm-hmm. no? And you have that connection that you know that is happening there. Right. And when when you go into the studio and you break that that thing up, then it's not the same for me. Right. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's to do with a sort of like quest for perfection, isn't it? Because if you do it all together, you're going to have to accept more imperfections, perhaps. Yeah, but the, but the the funny thing about that is that sometimes that those imperfections or what sometimes we call uh, uh, leakage, you know, from other right. sources, actually gives more richness to the recording. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, you, some people would call it lots of, lots of perfection, but others would, you know, because when musicians are playing in that kind of environment, those, uh, those things that can happen can be inspiration, moments of inspiration for... Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? Yes. So, and that doesn't really happen when everybody's doing their own thing, you know, in a different time. And I don't know, it's definitely something different and maybe some people cannot hear that in the end result but it's not only about the result it's about the process right for me you know for me what i like is i mean of course the result but it's the process so mm. Mm, it's yeah. uh so i've been trying to when i was in 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 spain before coming here i was actually recording and always trying to do live sessions like uh, never over doing you know overdubbing and stuff like that is the on the technology side of it is the technology now does it make it easier to do this well um, yes for sure right. before uh, well before we didn't have the option of so many channels let's mm. start with that right right right, right. So having more channels mean that, okay, you can have your own channel, right? Right. And then, well, maybe you can do it at a different time. Mm. And that's kind of the start of it. Yeah. And nowadays with the, with the computers and the software, well, everything is, well, different, let's say, in, in a way, right? Mm. Especially, I would say, for that and for editing, before it was much harder to actually edit, you know, mm-hmm. mistakes yeah. or, you know, do do-overs. You had a tape and, well, you know, it was not the same. I was curious, so do you, when you study sound engineering, so did you go through all those analog stuff that you have to go yes, through? Yes, I the started basic, with... The foundation, right? Yes, and at that time, the only... I think when I started... I, I think Pro Tool was not even... No, I don't think so. 
It was, I was using digital performer. Oh, God. <laughs> oh shit, that's like... Uh... And then I remember Pro Tools came out, Cubase, and then Logic, and... What, you didn't go to Cakewalk? Cakewalk oh. too, yes, Cakewalk. <laughs> Before Logic, right? For sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I actually started with Digital Performer on yeah. Mac. Wow. And at the time, still, still it was viewed as... Uh, It was not the centerpiece of the no, studio. It wasn't. We were still using tape, mm. analog tape, and yeah, that was the thing. So I actually had to learn how to even edit on analog tape. Yeah. And so that, so that so is an cutting, art in yeah, itself. Right? Cutting an angle and all yes, that stuff. Yes, gluing it, it together. Yes. <laughs> Man. You really needed to use your ears back then. Mm. Nowadays, I feel like the process has become more visual. Right. Mm. Actually, I've just remembered that um, the, we were recording using mics. Well, we were recording using one of your mics, and uh, the other two mics are the same mic that uh, I. The only reason I have them is because you recommended them mm. to me. Mm-hmm. So, we're, uh, if this sounds good, it's because of Raphael's knowledge. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> Screw that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, these are pretty good, good mics, man. Really not known. I'm surprised by how it, we, it's not a large diaphragm, right? No, it is a small diaphragm. Yeah, yes. it's a small diaphragm, but I'm surprised at how much bass it, it yes. picks up, you know, which yes. is so weird yes. for me because I'm so used to using like large diaphragm mic, for sure, you know, like the, uh, the B7. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, it's just... It just cuts out the uh, the unnecessary boom for 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 this mic anyway. But that is a misconception, you know, mm. that uh, that the larger the diaphragm is gonna give you more bass right. in general. Right, you know, right. if you think about the classical recordings, mm. they usually use small diaphragm, True. and True. you can get the whole symphony orchestra mm-hmm. with all the bass section and is. Is there so? Oh, that's one thing I've always been curious about, actually. Yeah, because um, some of the really early classical recordings, and I'm talking, you know, early 20th century, some of them still sound really great. And it seemed that it took a long time for other kinds of music to be recorded that well. Do you? Why is that? You have any, I mean, first of all, am I correct? And uh, well, uh, that I, is because uh, at that time they were using, let's say, proper rooms to yeah. okay, so, so to, to do with the acoustic, okay, with the acoustic, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the orchestra itself was balanced. Mm. You know, that's why you have the violins, the right. front, you know, and you have the you know, the, the brass and the percussion at the end, no? Yeah. So it's, they're, they're doing uh, kind of like a mixing right there with positioning, no? Okay, yeah, mm. I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that enough. Yeah, right. Well, I knew that they were in good acoustic rooms, but I hadn't thought about exactly the balance of the arrangement of the yes, orchestra. Yes, exactly. So that's one thing to consider. And many, many recordings from even the 50s, early 50s, they were done with one mic. Mm, wow. But the musicians were placed around the mic with different distances yeah. mm. so you could get a good balance. So that's the thing with, with uh, acoustic, you know. Mm. It's, the, it's really important, you know, how this, the room sounds 
and and let's say the distances you know between the instruments and the microphones right mm. well i i totally agree i mean but to be honest man i mean back then it's it's like they don't they don't even master it, right I mean, no, it was, it was just, it yes, was it, the mix was the, m, done there at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, the, the, the master was done at the pressing factory, mm. you know, for vinyls. Yeah, yeah. There, you, you usually have a room, you know, and, mm. and that is actually the original mastering station. Mm. I, th I don't think a lot of people understand how you know how we are so um, I don't know how advanced we are in today's technologies of uh, music production when you compare it to like oh, I don't know 100 years ago in the 1920s to yeah. now it's like uh, 2020s you know yes but funny enough uh, some of the technology has advanced a lot, mm. no? especially, let's say, the recording technology mm. of the software and stuff like that. But the microphones is a different mm. story. Right. You mm. know, the, the microphones from the 50s and 60s are still considered the best microphones. Mm. Really? So yeah. we already reached the top. So there were good micro there were great microphones already then, yeah. Yes. And they, they, so th those guys they already knew to how to adjust the frequency response range and all of this stuff. They could already Yes, and somehow <coughs> right now those are the mics that everybody wants. Hmm. It's still, interesting. Still, isn't it's, it? You know like tube microphones for instance, no, the mm. classics are still from that time from the yeah. 50s and the 60s. Yeah. What's the famous one? The uh, the U eighty seven. The U eighty seven is one of the famous ones mm. from Neumann, mm. no, and the U sixty seven or the U forty seven. Those are kind of classic microphones. Yeah. I I have the uh, privilege to be able to to use some of them, and I mean I mean I was in the studio that they they have. Yeah, and it's it's, it's something about. It's something about that mic. But before we get into the mic, you have to have a good room because they pick yes. up a lot of shit. Yes, that's the thing. So to, to, to begin with, you need acoustic. Right. You need a good sounding room. Yeah. That is actually the, the key. Mm. And majority of people, they just forget about that. Right. They just think that it's all about the equipment. Mm. But if you actually start with the room, mm. everything will be easier. Right. Actually, I can vouch for that. If you have a good room and you actually use like the, uh, the, the telephone mic now that we have on our, on our mobiles, it's actually pretty good, man. I have a demo in my phone that is like, it's actually, I mean, when you master it, I wish I did, it's actually pretty decent. It's, it's, it's a Spotify worthy. <laughs> Let's no. put it that yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> But that, that's the thing, you know. It's all about the room. Yeah, man. That's so interesting. So, and then, like, when you think about the room, there's also 
tradition as well, because if you think about the spaces that a lot of music might have been recorded in, some some kinds of music like classical music, because of its tradition in sort of concert halls mm. or even like choirs in churches and this kind of thing, each music has sort of uh, developed along with the acoustic properties of the spaces they're singing in, right? Yes. So, like you know, now if you look at uh, the effects or the effects options in software or whatever, a lot of it is just room, hall, cathedral. You know, some of the effects are named after the yes, exactly the, the room type, yes. right? Yes. So that and that just means fu- fundamentally that maybe there's nothing in particular better about those spaces. It's just that we maybe have become accustomed to some degree. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it's... I'm well, wond- there, there are some, some parameters that, that can be measured for sure. Mm. Like one is the reverb time of, of a room. Yeah. So there are some reverb times that they work better for a particular style of music, let's right. say. You know? mm-hmm. So a church usually has a long reverb. Mm-hmm. So it will work fine for choirs, right. for instance, no, mm. because it will kind of make the the voices sound, let's say, nicer with the long yeah. sustain. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. so it goes well with that kind of music, yeah, right. you know. But not for a rock band. No. Right. Then everything will become unclear. Mm. That's right. You wouldn't have the definition, so you need a shorter reverb time for that. Mm. And the same with classical music. Mm-hmm. Right now, pretty much the best holes in the world are around, I don't know, one, one between one five and two seconds of reverb, mm. for instance. Right. Yeah. And that's, mm. that's what works best for classical music, right. yeah. for instance. Interesting. It's interesting, man. If you get in, into the mixing art, it's like there's so many possibility to to explore, man. We we could probably uh, nerd out on this for too oh long. Oh my god, um, that's true. So that's true. Well, I don't know. There's, there can always be a a more like precise series on this. I think. But now I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious now that we get into the studio thing. Do you want to go into the live thing or do you want to go to the label thing? Um, well, I think we'll get to the label and the recording if we go to Spain, right? Because um, that's where you started. Well, yeah, of course. Okay, let's, let's go to Spain then. So, let's go uh, to Spain. You were, you were in New York. You did a semester at a music college. Yeah, just yeah. Then you and then you went to um, Barcelona. And then I went to H- Spain. How did you make that decision? And uh, what? I just wanted to to go somewhere else. Hmm. And some friends recommended uh, Barcelona as a good place to go, to be, and so interesting. Well, that's pretty much about it. Okay, so you went and how, uh, how long did you live there in in Barcelona? Well, I lived there f- about nineteen years. God damn, he's actually Spanish. <laughs> Yeah, that's a long time, brother. That's a long time. Yeah. God damn. Well, you were, you were asking, Paul. Okay, so yeah, you went to Barcelona, and ha, and then uh, what did you? How did you? Um, how long did it take for you to start w- working professionally there? Say, I mean, uh, well, walk me through something that you feel is of interest. Well, I I, I got there and because of some a friend of a friend, let's say. Uh, we met uh, 
let's say, a band there. So I started actually working as a sound engineer pretty soon after pretty I quick. got there. Yeah, pretty quick. So I started actually doing live. Okay. So, and uh, until that moment, I have done some lives, but not that many. I was more doing studio stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, in New York, actually, I was, uh, let's say, doing like an apprenticeship uh, okay. for live sound in a, in, a, in a concert venue there. So I was just helping the sound engineer in there and then I was learning some stuff. I actually forgot to ask, did you get to hear uh, much great mu much music in New York? Because that's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, yes. Uh, I used to go to a place that was uh, run by John Zorn. Oh, okay. The, the Stone? I saw John Zorn, John yeah. Zorn. The, I mean, the, yeah, the John, but he had this place called The Stone, right? Did you... Yes. Right. But bef I think before The Stone, it was something, something else. Something else at the time. That mm, was, yeah. well, we're talking about 99. Okay. Oh, shit. So I've been to the Stone, the newer, but this was in a different location. Okay. And I did go there many times and I saw very interesting stuff, for sure. Okay. And I went to, oh, I don't know, concerts of different kind of mm. artists that I liked at the time. Mm. Anybody inspire you in particular, you know? Mm, well, let's say music. Let's say like as an instrumentalist rather than as a sound engineer. Uh, put, put as an instrumentalist, on. well, yeah, for sure. The the people that I was watching there, yes, they all inspire me. So though. many, okay, so many. Okay, it's like, I got fair enough. I mean, in New York at, at that time you was know? the makeup man, right? I mean, at the end of the nineties, like New York was just like the makeup of of music in yeah, every they were, they were, yeah, they were man, good. That was that was the. I don't know. That was like the pivotal moment of um, of music, that that was transcend and uh, transcending. I yeah. think for me, you know, like going from the '90s to the 2000, you know, to the new eras of like a, a whole like new world of like music making. Man, it was good, man. At oh, the time, man. I remember a, a like a master class that I attended uh, of. Uh, Chucho Valdez, you know, the mm, Cuban mm. pianist, and was uh, like mind-blowing, for instance. Oh, my God. Mm. I didn't know you, you, you had a master class with him. Yeah. Oh, man, that's like... <laughs> I mean, now I'm getting more into like Latin music because of Rafael, and to hear, you know, all this great like Latin artists is just like so under, underrated for some reason. Yeah, or I maybe guess. it's just not unpopularized in, in, in this part of the world. I think, yeah, right? mainly because it's not known here. Yeah. Uh, but I would say over there is pretty well known. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, even Grammy has to have like a Latin Grammy <laughs> just for Latin people. You know? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> that's, how, that's how large the industry is for, for the music. It's big, know? man. It's, it's big. big. Mm. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, so a, lo a lot of good music for sure in, yeah. in, in New York and I really learned a lot from my bass teacher at the time there, mm. really. Mm -hmm. So it was a very good experience, mm. okay. musically for sure. So then you're in Barcelona and uh, pretty quickly have a chance to start doing live sound because of running into this band. Yeah. And uh, 
Okay, then what? And then from that, I was just working as a life engineer, let's say, right? Right. And Barcelona is, I mean, a fairly big city. There's a lot of events and things going on there. There's a lot of stuff yeah. going on for sure, yeah. And when you're there, you're also usually tour around at least Spain, and yeah. and France is pretty close too. So you end up doing, you know, right. Spain, France, and there even other places in Europe. So I, well, doing live sound not only with this band but with other bands later on. Mm. I actually travel for all, all over Europe. Man, that's amazing, man. Mm. Okay. So, well, I, I think maybe a year after being there, me with a couple of friends, we started a, a studio, let's mm-hmm. say, a small studio mm-hmm. to, to do some recording and stuff. Okay, so when did you start, you know, after touring, you know, as a sound engineer and being part of that industry in, in Spain? Um, when did you decide to open a label? Well, uh, was about the year, I think, 2011. Hmm. In 2011, I had a studio with a couple of friends, and one of my friends, who is uh, an amazing, well, musician, but composer too, hmm. he had this idea of starting started recording the the local musicians and started, you know, doing a label. Mm. So he actually got the idea and then I joined him. Interesting. And since we had a studio at the time, it was uh, convenient. Okay, well, let's start here, you know, mm-hmm. bringing some musicians and start doing some some recordings and... And actually, the first the first record of the label, let's say, is my my friend and partner, let's say, his band. That is the first, and the second album is my band, another band. So. So, what kind of band is your band? At the time, it's a band that we're hmm, well, we're doing some, I don't know, some crossovers Ooh, with okay. jazz, of course, and other things too. Hmm. hmm. What's the name of the band? Magum. Magum. Oh, catchy. <laughs> That's interesting, man. So you, you actually open a, a, a label in a time where I don't think most people would at that time. I mean, you were right around where, let's see, at that time it was like after Napster, right? I guess, yeah. Right, Napster was in, in around 2000. Yes. Or a little bit Na- early, yes. But, End of the know. 90s, yeah. beginning so, of 2000. Yeah. But you're talking about pretty niche genre as well, right? Yeah, it is a very specific genre. It is... Niche genres, maybe, I mean, maybe like not, but yeah, right. Yeah, but it's pretty, pretty, I mean, it's music that is maybe not for everybody. You know, right. mm-hmm. so we cover, as I said before, we cover some free jazz, some uh, contemporary music. So actually, people that are coming from classical right. background, but they want to do something different. Mm. Yeah. They want to improvise, or the or they have some actually written pieces, like with some graphic uh, 
graphic, not the traditional way of writing yeah. music, but new, new, new yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's con contemporary. Contemporary, yeah. and you could say it's experimental in a way, mm -hmm. also. So I've been working, and I, well, right now not anymore because I'm here. But over there, I was actually recording pretty much classical and jazz musicians for your label. Yes, that's so interesting, man. I have to ask because. You know, from, from a music industry uh, businessman point of view, it's like there's a law that is different in the classical genre and the other genre. It's, 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 it's known, right? There's a classical uh, law for, for music and there's the other is the rest of us, you know? Mm, well, I'm What do you mean, regards to copyright? Yeah, regard copyrights and... I haven't really got into it. It's because it's a whole whole section that I I never really touch on because I'm not a classical uh, artist. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. For but, you being a label and you but represent we're, jazz we're, and also classical. Yeah, but we're actually not doing classical music. Oh, okay, okay. It's classical musicians are playing actually contemporary music. It's their or, own music. Hmm? It's their own music, right? It's their own music. So it's not really like a, uh, playing a repertoire from Beethoven. Oh, or no, Mozart. no. Oh, okay. It's either new pieces by new composers. Ah, okay. Or just improvise music. Or, uh, well, you, you may know also about sound painting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's yeah. some of, of these composers that actually they don't compose per se, They they actually they direct. have a language. They have a they have a language, mm. and they and yeah. they it's like a well, it's a composition that is created there, right mm. on time. Mm. Okay, and uh, so the label. Um, so how, I mean, how did the? Yeah, I shouldn't even ask this because I don't even know how labels work at all. But I mean, well, how, how did the label, how did the label fund itself from what the musicians were doing? I mean. And so the idea was pretty simple. At the time, we, we knew that labels worked in a way that they didn't actually treat musicians that's what I was going well, to ask. you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. usually giving a very small percentage. Yeah, that's what we So small. we came up with the idea to do 50-50, something okay. that seems fair, you know. Right. So we do this recording and 50% is musicians, 50% the label. And that's it. Mm. Pretty mm -hmm. simple. And okay. we produced the recording. So we were actually, you know, doing the recording, the artwork, everything mm. that is related to that. Right, right. No, investing in that with our time and knowledge, no, pretty mm. much. Yeah, but what I think Paul is asking, how do you fund yourself? To the, how do you fund the labels? Well, in this case, we did it with our own means. Oh, Wait, so okay. I mean, okay. Well, I because I had yeah. all the the, let's say, the studio equipment. Mm. You know, I've been collecting. You know, and I, since I had some studios before, I have some. I still have. You no, know, mm. the the recording equipment to do that. So the initial setup cost wasn't huge no because we already had a studio with all our stuff we right. just needed the musicians yeah. to come in and do yeah, sessions and since we were doing we were doing live sessions you know right. you do an album in a morning that's, I think that's how you labels right. usually start it's like you start from a studio first or even a fucking uh, uh, dorm room <laughs> you know? so uh, uh, 
Now you said like about the you know you knew that a lot of labels weren't giving musicians a good deal. Mm. In this case, you and your friend, your partner, right? You're both musicians as well. Yes. That must have made a difference. Is is it like unusual for a sound engineers to also be musicians, or not so unusual? It's not so unusual. I, I, I believe a lot of sound engineers are actually musicians, but maybe not label owners. <laughs> but no label owners. Yeah, that's no, that that's, was, yeah, that's rare. Yeah, right. but musicians they usually play an instrument, even even though it might not be in a professional way. But in general, they do play some, you know, you'd something. You'd be surprised in Thailand. It's, it's a lot less than you think. Now it's better, way better. Because before, you know, in Thailand, the sound engineer genre is something that people don't really give enough recognition. They don't really value the people behind the board. They think it's a fucking, uh, I don't know, the Thai is called something. Lackey, a lackey, some kind of lackey. It's a lackey. Job. It's like some bo- boy that run errands, something that you're supposed to do, somebody pushing the buttons and, you okay. know, like anybody can do it, so to say. Um, but, uh, but now it's way better. But uh, even my uncle, you know, he, he started out as a drummer and he's a, a very well-known sound engineer, said like, some of the best sound engineers should, should, and even must be able to play, you know, some sort of instrument to understand. Yes, you know, what's going on. What's going on. And, and they should have also some basic knowledge of music, of mm-hmm. theory and what's going on, mm-hmm. because then it's way easier to communicate with musicians, you know, and mm-hmm. to understand what's happening better, right. for right. sure. And... And I do believe that musicians should know a little bit more about sound engineering. Mm, I, I totally agree. Bro. So everything would be way better. Because sometimes what I feel, especially classical musicians, mm. I feel like they are very far away from, yeah. from sound engineering and technology. And so they don't really know what's possible or not. And then you get some kind of disconnection, not understanding <laughs> of what is possible, you know. Yeah, that, that is true. That is true. But I guess because they, they're so focused on, on their, their craft that they, they don't really, they thought like this might be some other people's job to. Yeah, to, and, and, to, in, and it's true, but. If you're gonna end up doing some recordings as a mm. musician, would be good for you to know all the basic stuff. I you think know? it's great for people to know the mm. basic of all these things that are related to what you're doing anyway. Exactly. You know? It's so. like, I mean, I, I, you know, I was the oddball in my group of wanting to be in the studio. People didn't enjoy being in studio, like in, in, in at the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I started going to studio when I was 13, 14, and I love it. You know, I love the air condition in it. <laughs> I love the quietness of it. I love the, the tensions of the, the artists that are in there and the fucking trash talk that are always like going on or like, you know, guys talk, you know. Yeah. It's just so funny, man. If you live in a, a noisy city, being inside a, a nice, oh. quiet, soundproof studio can be like really pleasant experience, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is really nice, actually. Yeah, like you say, it's just a nice environment in general. To, it, it is a, a nice creative em- space. And, yes. You get the opportunity, especially if it's your place, you get the opportunity to set it up as you want it, you know, make it comfortable for yourself and the artists. And, exactly. And, yes. Yeah. All right. So, um, well, how did the, how long did you have that label for? How did, 
You still have it, actually. It's the same same label as you have now, or a different label? Yes, yes, it okay. is the same. It is the same. But of course, I'm not there, so uh, my my friend is running it, no. And right now, I'm not really doing much because right. I was um, in charge of doing the the sound, no, pretty much the recording, uh, mixing, mastering, and, and stuff like that. So okay, so you were getting, um, you, so you were working, like basically pretty much as soon as you got to Spain, Barcelona, as a sound engineer, you you know you went all over Europe, then you had a studio and then a label, in all of that, and you but you were in there, you were there for like 19 years. In all that time, how many, how much time, how many did you have for like playing, playing like live, let's say, as a as a musician. Yeah, as a musician. Yeah. Well, I was still playing for sure, but mm. but my main job was doing sound. Right. So okay. I was working in, I mean, the studio, but also doing live sound. And I was working with bands, and I was working in in concert venues. So I would work well many days a week doing that, mm. and I would still play, but less than 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 doing sound for sure yeah i mean so like were you happy fulfilled doing that or did you have some over you know goal um that you felt you were working to uh how did you how did you think about what you were doing at the time uh well i was actually well you know there's different stages let's say you know yeah. uh one one stage that i really like is is being able to record and produce, uh, let's say, acoustic music, no, mm -hmm. either jazz or contemporary or all that. That is something that I really like and I was really happy about it. And then live music is something that I still like, but it's a little bit different because then it really depends on the artist you're going to do sound for, mm -hmm. you know? So sometimes can be something that you really like. Sometimes, right? Well, not that much. It depends. Hmm. Hmm. So it's I would say it's different things, no? And then playing is another part of the story, you know. I was playing there too, but I was doing different things with different, at different times, different bands, and but it was still it was still good. I mm -hmm. would say. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm curious like about you know before you you start your label have you worked with other labels before? Have you signed with other labels or uh, no, I mean I I I had work in a studio of a label. Mm. Okay. Yes. And seen a little bit of that and mm. And well, being, I mean, knowing a lot of people there, a lot of musicians, mm. and seeing, you know, working them with their labels. So I had some knowledge about what was going on. Okay. So you got the taste of what the industry in Spain was like. Yes. And you didn't really like it, or? Yes, I felt that it was not really fair for musicians. Mm. But then the musicians, or let's say the music, is the is the product, mm. 
But then the musicians, the one who actually created, are the ones that are getting less. Yeah, is something that feels. It's still now. It's the same thing. Yes. So, but it doesn't feel fair, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, mean, I just want to know why you would open a label because someone had asked me to do it in 2000, actually in 2007 to open to open a label, and I said no because it was going it was going the different direction, and the people that was asking me to open it doesn't really play music, you know, they just have money, and. I, I just feel like it's you know people don't need label at that time, you know as you can see the progress of um, you know social media was coming, yeah. the uh, uh, face I mean MySpace at that time MySpace yeah MySpace and you, yeah. you see Napster people <laughs> like downloading music and shit like yeah. it's a file sharing thing going on and I just feel like hey it's already been you know the I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's already been destroyed. The uh, the the whole function of what it used to build on has been destroyed already. You know. But now they're building it. You know. It's in 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 their own way. And I'm surprised there's a lot more label now in today's. Yeah, and I think right now we are in a transitional period right? again mm. because right now we with the NFTs. Mm. I think it's gonna change again, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I believe it's gonna it's gonna be for the better, mm -hmm. you know, for the musicians. Mm -hmm. So with social media, what happened is that well, now it's like a free buffet for everyone, <laughs> right? So why would you need a label if you can put your thing on YouTube, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, as you say, like the, we talked about this a little bit the other night, just w when we met, that um, I think Spotify for the first time ever it allowed some kind of NFT on the platform. In other words, you could only access certain playlists if you bought the NFT. Exactly. So this is just the beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. This, this is just like the beginning. Yeah. Into it. Exactly. And I think now, for real, the way is to to think about the NFTs and get into that. Mm. And that's something that I'm going to start doing. And one idea that I have is to put all the catalog that, that we have with the label mm. to put them in NFTs. Right. Mm. That would be something that, you know, is, could be interesting. It could be, man. I mean, you know, it has to, but still, it's a, it's a business, right? So all these things has to go with the production of how you market something like this to to make it valuable for for the artists and for the labels yes so so but you yeah, know it's, 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 it is a business but it depends also when you wanna get results you know mm. we're thinking more long term right you know it is yes it is a business but in another way is we're doing kind of like an archive Uh, thing too, you know, mm. and and making let's say sound photos of what was happening at that time mm. in uh, in that place, no? Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard to predict right now. Like, just fully what could be linked with NFTs and all. You know, because virtual reality is coming as well, augmented reality. It's hard to say what kind of digital listening experiences will exist in a few years' time, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of, um, yeah, innovations. There'll be a lot of innovations for sure. Mm. 
I mean, you know, if you if you look at the um, I don't know the VR world, like the metaverse and all yes. this thing that's going on, it's like it's very interesting, though. It's not it's not very mass like like affect. No, the way the way that is still going on won't be like that. I believe it's gonna be more instead of like VRs and stuff. I think the real change is gonna be when you put some stuff inside your body. And then that is connected to your brain, mm. and that is going to be a real game changer. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, something connected to my brain. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. I mean, I was just imagining <laughs> myself. You know, I, I was just imagining myself. Just then, I, uh, yeah, you could um, potentially go to the village vanguard in in, in uh, nineteen. 64 and see the John Coltrane's quartet play there in some recreated space, right? You know, yes. and all of this stuff could become possible. <laughs> could it's not, be, it's not the same, it's not going to be, ex- be, you know, it's not going to be all of the experience of a live thing, but it's going to be, a, that would be interesting. <laughs> but it's going to be interesting for sure if you can be there, oh, yeah, right? Man. Even if it's a recreation right. made right. by AI or whatever, I don't know. But I don't know. it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah. But you say you don't know. I'm. I'm not. So I'm not claiming that it's going to be as good as something real. I'm just saying it's oh. going to be something. What is <laughs> like? What I mean? It's like somebody like having a fucking uh, flesh light on your dick and <laughs> just like oh, what? and just watching VR. You don't know about this. Like they have this. I don't like, want to know. <laughs> you know, like in Japan, they have this like, like you know, they have this the, this place where you can go and rent uh, a movie for an hour or something, and they have a room. And now they have this like VR experience where you like you where do we are? Which the they have the the adult movies in in the VR, and then you have like this kind of like flashlight going on. You know what a flashlight is? It's like a rubber, you know, uh, tube, and you can have sex with it. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the so, it, so okay, so, we, but we were talking about the music industry, not the sex industry. No, the hey, industry. no, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the thing is, well, sex always come first in uh, music, uh, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, for uh, how how it happens. So, well, um, yeah, the technology is being used right now for that, but it could be used. For a concert or whatever, not the to- total immersion. With, yeah, yeah. But we're also talking about. I mean, okay. I think I think this is something that's gonna like even museum, even the top museums in New York and London or whatever. They've been um, taking advantage of the latest technology for a, lo- a long time, right? To recreate um, scenes and uh, f- from the past. Yeah, this is just something that could potentially, yeah, you know, I mean, add, add music into that. I, I, okay, so. Hey, hey I'm, I'm not. I'm not really against it, but I'm just saying, like, when I'm, what's my point of like, you know, raising this thing up? Mm-hmm. It's like, I still think we should focus more on like, you know, that's a great thing to have in the past and the experience of coming. But I think people don't understand like the thing that we are focusing in the in the present has is is very valuable too, you know, and and because music has always been part of time. It's the art about time, and. Something that we're doing now, like okay, I'm in Chiang Mai and I'm creating music, and it's part of Chiang Mai. And I, people will go back in the year, like okay, what happened in year 2007? Northgate started. I, I totally you agree know? with you. I totally agree with you. That's that's why I brought up the example of uh, museums because it is like a 
you know, going to see like John Coltrane and that in a VR environment, it's kind of like a museum experience. It's not, yeah. it's not now. It's yeah. not, right. It's not now. It's not a live concert now. It's a different thing. Yeah. But instead, instead of listening to the record, you could listen to the record, but also experience have the feeling of the t of that yes time. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know right. being there yeah. like if you were sitting there yeah. in a, on a table no like I so mean, to have that surround sound in your head you know i remember when went into this like haunted listening experience when i was in high school in thailand in bangkok and i hate this shit man so they made you put on this headphone but i close my eye all the time right so i don't see all this like affects anything but it's so amazing how you can manipulate the the panning and the they call it spatial spatial yeah spatial like s p a t i a l yeah spatial like like to make it this environment yeah, you know right. things and I think that's gonna happen right hmm. it's gonna happen. yeah for sure more and more we're gonna get uh, well spatial or Dolby five or seven or you yeah. know. Yeah, we're gonna get there, but it's but it's gonna take some time because you know you need to people need to replace mm -hmm. the traditional system with new system, and the only way to do that kind of fast enough if we we come up with a technology that is affordable, you know, mm -hmm. because still the VRs and stuff, this is you know it's gonna take some time. Also, I mean, also you know. Yeah, 3D surround has been available for home use for a long time, but it does. <laughs> and I mean, maybe the top systems are good, but this, all, everything I heard, nowhere near beats just ordinary good hi-fi equipment. Usually, mm. you know. What Usually, I mean? yeah, yeah, it's not that easy, you know. Right. Still, and what is more expensive? You need more speakers. Right. You mm. need in the room. And where you place them, so there's a lot of practicalities right. about that too. It's yeah. not some some of it hasn't been as realistic as the promises that were made for sure. Because yes, yeah, they traded something. They they created some kind of 3D space, but they traded some quality, traded away some quality for that. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so um, well, before we get to you're in Thailand now. You've been in Thailand for how long? Have you been in Thailand? No, hold on, hold on. I, I, I'm not jumping to Thailand yet. I, I'm just saying before we really come to Thailand. Yeah. Uh, let's, right um, now, we're well more than three years and a half. Okay. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. So, uh, like, tell us. Um, that's 19 years is still a long time uh, in Spain. What are the What are some of the most interesting things that happened there? Mm -hmm. Musically, let's just say musically. Um, We've, we've already talked about studios and label and... Well, definitely uh, I've seen many great concerts there, for mm. sure. That is something that, yeah, I really wow, went to so many concerts of different genres, let's say, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I actually saw many people that I wanted to see and uh, that was really, really good. How does that affect you? Mm, like to see... Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to know how it affects you to see all those great artists and what does it mean to your, you know, 
does it motivate you in your life or well yeah it motivates me to do better no mm -hmm. and somehow to to kind of set a bar you know yeah because you're a working musician at that time too and you you seeing you know yeah for sure artists. some some people it's like wow okay need to go back and practice more <laughs> you know and some stuff like that or i don't know the quality of the shows yeah. or yeah you you have Ins any inspiration for sure you have any like one of your favorite memorable uh concert i i have but oh yes for sure uh, one one concert that i really enjoy was uh, shakti Hmm. With Shakti with John McLaughlin and wow. Sakir Hussain and wow with the um, uh, yeah. yeah amazing that is yeah <laughs> that wow. is really How, where were they playing uh, they were playing in in Barcelona in a concert hall concert hall like yeah. how many people were there like, uh, that concert hall can fit maybe I don't know maybe a thousand people really that large. Could be, yeah. yeah. I mean, that band's pretty well, and they're yeah, still together. They they were still yeah, playing. They're, still uh, they're, they're just doing a tour, yeah, right, like yeah, the right. I don't know how many the how many years anniversary, but <laughs> right. yes, they, they, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think fifty man. years anniversary or forty-five. It, it's or, a long yeah, time, yeah. yeah, for sure, yeah. Right. And that was a concert that really wow blew yeah. me. I mean, you experience it live is something else, right? Live, and I was really close to the stage. Oh, shit. I had, yeah, I bought like very good seats, oh, and cool. yeah, amazing, amazing. Uh, Sakir Hussain live, the, yeah. the tabla guy, is out of this world. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I totally <laughs> agree, man. you know, yeah. I, that that was the first time that I heard somebody playing walking bass on the tabla. <laughs> Oh wow! I yeah, was like, "What is? Oh, that? what is this? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fucked up." That's when that guy, is, man. I mean, I I knew this guy like uh, a couple years ago, a long time ago, man. And because I I was um, studying uh, the the Hindi music a little bit, Hindu classical music. Yeah, Hindu, yeah, a little bit. One week. Yeah. And so I got a little bit too into it, and a I taste. thought, like, I can't, I can't, I can't get into this shit, man. <laughs> so, yeah. so you know, the first, many people have said to me, "You can either get deeply into Indian classical music or into other stuff. You can't do both because it's just such no, a." I mean, a, like I'm into universe. it, but I can't play it. You see, I can't play the sitar with that fucking yoka position. I can't do it, you know. And for me to go and play tabla is just like, oh no, I'm not gonna do. It. I have nails, you know. <laughs> yeah, but you could play like John McLaughlin. He's playing acoustic guitar yeah, and yeah. Indian music, and yeah, you know, but no, but at that time it was classical, right? So you have to pick like either sitar or that one that you can um, uh, sarod, uh, yeah, yeah. sarod, yeah, you know, tabla and all that stuff. But it was yeah. a great insight. Then I got to know Sakti yeah. and. I was like, wow, this is so interesting to hear this band doing this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. That, that's nice. Like, um, you, you, were you able to leave, uh, you, you, know, you can, like going to a concert, you can wear many hats. You can like listen as a musician, you can listen just as a person, you can listen as a sound engineer. Um, yeah. Like what's, uh, do you put all of these, when you're at a concert, do you like swap out all of these different hats, let's just say, uh, personas? Well, or? somehow, yeah. I mean, I'm always aware of the sound. Mm. So that's something that, you know, how is the sound, for sure. 
Right. It's funny you say that though, because I think for for a a very knowledgeable guy like Raphael to be able to stand, you know, away from intervening other people' job, you know, when he's a bassist and he's a a good sound engineer, right? Mm-hmm. But he let the sound engineer who doesn't know shit do the thing that he needs to be doing. You know, and that's that's very respectful. Um, you know, respectable of Raphael. Well, man. if it was Shakti, probably they had a good guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm talking like now. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah, for yeah. me, you know, when I'm when I'm playing, I mean, I cannot be doing both. You right. know, I need to be concentrated on playing. Yeah, yeah. So even though I, I mean, unless it's something really critical, you yeah. know, right. then I will okay. If I st- Put my bass away and <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna fix the sound. Yeah. But if if it's not something that critical, well, it's not my job, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to play, so I need to be on that. Thank God for somebody seeing this shit. <laughs> right. Hold on, I need to get more into like. So that's one of your uh, favorite concert. Is there a genre that you have like? You know, that's kind of like more of like. Jazz crossover with world oh music yeah and yeah stuff. yeah for sure I I really liked a show by the Beastie Boys ah oh, shit completely different wow. stuff yeah, yeah that's great. that's great man and and I and I saw them I mean the Beastie Boys the whole thing and it was great but then I went another night in a different this was in France in a different place to only to see the DJ <laughs> of the Beastie Boys of the Beastie Boys shit. yes. Wow! Yeah. Yes, no, I, I, I know that guy mean, is actually <laughs> yeah. playing an instrument. Yeah, right. This is no joke. This no is joke, this man. is not somebody putting music. No, no, this That's, is something else. You see, I grew up the same the same way. I appreciate DJs like that, man. Not like this time where they call DJs to na- now like a producer, man. Like fuck you. Fuck, you gotta go see like all those like DJ that play with like you know behind the rappers and all those. I mean, Dre was a DJ, man. That's a DJ. A true producer is like that guy, you know? Well, yeah. That can play around with the fucking like tables, man. Really well. And you know if you know, and I've tried an too because I I do. I do have, you know, records, and I'm so I've tried, and I gotta be honest, being being a real DJ, it's not easy, oh, man. you know, to really do stuff. And I was reading a little bit about the history of uh, yeah, rap not so long ago, and apparently, like in the really early days when they were publish when they were promoting events, the DJ's name was like up here big, yeah, and the rapper's name was out small, yeah. and, and it only fl- it flipped, MC. it flipped later on. Yes. You know, but in those early days, was it all about the DJ? Yeah, yeah it was all about yeah. the DJ, man. It was all about the DJ I at mean, the time. People went to see the doctor, you know, at that time. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, man. Yeah, so I don't know. I've so many concerts. Uh, uh, I went to a concert of Bjork. Oh. In in London. Uh, it was probably year. What year was that? Well, I don't remember, but. It was in a small church in London. It was a very special concert for maybe 100 people or I don't know. Interesting. And that was a great concert. Really for good. only 100 people? Yes, in a church That's in London. Intimate, man. That was really good. It was the, the, the record was, I think, Vespertine, I think it was called. 
I think early 2000, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Her label? The label that she was in? The, I mean, the no, 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 the, the, I think the, the record, the album that she oh, was, oh, she was oh. presenting. Yeah. Right. And that was great. Really amazing concert too. How so? I, I don't know. Because people don't understand Bjork, man. That's why well, I'm asking Well, you know, she had some actually musicians there with her. And one of the musicians was actually playing sound effects, mm. like a Foley artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But live. Yes. Amazing. Another one was a harp. <laughs> you know, it was, wow, trying to recreate the album at the time, but with live. Oh, they were recreating what it was? Yes. It wasn't improvised. No, no, they were playing the songs from the album. But, wow. you know, in the album, there was a lot of effects and yeah, stuff yeah. that they were done, mm -hmm. I don't know, in what way, but not really live like a band. Yeah. But then they were doing that live. Wow, that's amazing. And that, that is, is amazing. It was really good. Mm. People don't, people underrate B-Work a lot, man. No, no. No, but man, but tr like, yeah, the niche people like us, and that's why there's only 100 people. Yeah, <laughs> it was no, a very special concert. I know, that. that was but, a choice. <laughs> you know. No, no, it was great. And, you know, and being there in a in space that is not that big yeah. is very special. You know, you really feel, I don't know, connected to the artist somehow. Yeah, Bjork was huge for a while. Absolutely oh, yeah. Huge. Yes. yeah. I mean, yes. you know, she was all over UK radio for many years. Yeah. Yes. So. True, true. But, you know, this album wasn't that mainstream anymore. No, right. I think the album before, or even two yeah. albums before, she she got some hits, more yeah, more yeah, mainstream, yeah, right, right, and yeah. but you know she was doing whatever she wanted to do actually. Yeah, that, so so okay, so you like you mentioned like a couple of uh, yeah the, the Shakti concert where you got to go right up close, and uh, this like tiny concert. For, so for you, um, is there a like a maximum size that a concert? Not, not should be, but like that you, beyond which you don't enjoy it anymore. Well, it's not that I don't enjoy it, but for sure, for me, like a thousand people is kind of like the max <laughs> for an ideal concert venue. Okay. Right. For me, I've been in, in places and I, like that, and I think you, you can still see the artist right quite there you know and and the sound is enjoyable and stuff like that the sound is still connected to the it's yes like the artist somehow. yes right. somehow so more than that then it becomes a little bit different for sure yeah, right. and i i like it even smaller if you could be 500 people or 200 people even even better for mm, me yeah. you're definitely closer the energy is just so different man mm. i mean you you tour with muse the yes, record. I was doing the sound to the opening band of Muse. Oh, okay. So you, but you didn't do uh, the sound with uh, the Muse production? Too. No, they have their own sound guy. Oh, okay. I was doing the sound for the opening, but we were touring together. Yeah, but you see, see how they work and all those everything. Kind of yeah, that's, I mean, that's yeah. I used to love Muse. I was really into Muse Man, for a while. I mean, from what I understand, like the production, concert production of Muse is fucked up. Oh it's, yeah, it was amazing to see. Oh, it was amazing to see. And this was the year, what was the album they were touring at the time? It was, I don't know, maybe 20, 2010. What? Could be, or, really? or something like that. 
29 or 2010. That's all like they have all that light shit going on already. They had a big white piano, like yeah. grand pianos on stage and stuff. And yeah, it was great, man. It was a great, you know, learning experience to see mm. them working and not only see them, but the whole team, you know, mm. like the the bass player and the guitar player, they both have their own tech guys. Yeah, yeah. So the tech guys, they're actually using the pedals. They yeah. don't use them. Mm. You know they yeah, don't yeah. they don't use them. There's another guy that yeah, yeah, knows yeah. how when yeah. to press them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Same yeah, yeah, with yeah. Guns and Roses. Just it's very interesting. So yeah, but <laughs> that level of of production is huge. You know mm -hmm. because the tech guy cannot make a mistake. No. He needs to know the songs and the parts and when to press and everything. I think a lot of people at home don't understand how important a fucking guitar tech. Or the tech guys for any other instrument is when you're on a big tour like that, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you see like YouTube's and stuff now, like Premier Guitar would go like the uh, Rick's rundown and stuff. It's so much fun, man. You know, there's only a rare guy like you know John uh, Fuchente where he will press every fucking thing by himself. You know. <laughs> yeah, but usually in the, you know, the usually in, like the mainstream, mm -hmm. let's say productions. It's not like that any, no. anymore. No. But it was it was great, you know, seeing how, you know, no amps on stage. All the amps were behind the stage, yeah. you know, to to lower the noise of the stage. Yeah, yeah, many, yeah. many things that you learn. And we were traveling with, uh, like, on Chef and stuff. So every time we... Mm would get into a place, everything was set up, and puff, kitchen set up. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting. Mm. Um, any uh, tour stories <laughs> uh. <laughs> that you can say without, without getting sued? <laughs> I don't know, man. It was a lot of fun, for sure, touring. <laughs> I mean, I toured with different bands, and know. we did, so, you know, went different places. Uh, I don't know. I really liked touring in, in Sweden in the summertime. Mm. So we went from Stockholm to Finland. Mm -hmm. So we went really up there and it was was really, really nice. Did you fuck out tours? <laughs> uh, you know, I did not. And I, and I have to say that people don't mention it, but up there in the summertime, Wow, the mosquitoes are, you have really? no idea. <laughs> wow, wow. Like I, I, clouds of mosquitoes. Oh, wow, I wouldn't, wow. You wouldn't imagine that, no, right? No, Well, yeah, nobody tells you about that. <laughs> so you no cannot wonder. be outside in no. some places. Canada, oh. Canada, my friend from Canada told me the same thing. In parts of Canada, you just like, it's almost, it's incredible to go out in uh, certain It's areas. the same, it's yeah. the north, it's the North yeah. Pole. Yeah. It's the same in Alaska, Canada, wow, really? uh, Scandinavia, yeah. because we were really i mean we crossed the 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 polar circle you know yeah and you cannot be outside in some places it's just you put your hand it's black mm. full full it's something wow. that i i didn't know about that all right i'm gonna deep deeper into this yeah tell me some fucked up tour stories man because you tour I want to hear some fucked up Well, if story. you want to know about stories about <laughs> sex, drugs, no, no, and, no, and rock say. and roll, <laughs> yes, they're all true. 
They're all true. <laughs> They're all true. That happens, you know. No, but the stuff ha- that happens in a, in a bus full of musicians. Really? Yes, <laughs> because I tour in like big buses, you oh, know, you all over buses, Europe. Yeah. yeah, and you know, you, there's groupies. Some groupies along the way. Oh, yes. Shit. I'll yes. Be, okay. And you end up in somebody else's houses for the night too, <laughs> you know. Have you ever got so wasted that you can't work? Uh, no. See, see how professional this guy is. Even no, he's getting never. his cocksock. <laughs> no, but uh, but cocksock. <laughs> but after my job was done, then yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> after my job is done, yes, but. Yeah, never so so wasted that I cannot do my job now. Okay, that's that's great to hear. So priorities is important. Well, yeah, I mean you're there to do a job, you yes. know. So, but after the job is done, then well, yes, you know is. Mm-hmm. So I guess you two are pretty professional people, and they just you know uh, work hard, play hard, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I mean, I've been in every situation imaginable. I've been mm-hmm. into, uh, like, like with Muse, we were playing for, I don't know, 20, 30,000 people yeah. a gig. And I've been with bands in, a, in what we'd call a squat, yeah. you know, in Germany, let's say. So I've been mm-hmm. bars, small bars, mm-hmm. medium sized concert venues. Massive festivals, yeah. yeah, everything in between. Hmm. What didn't you like about that touring? Uh, well, the thing with touring is it depends. You know, it's, uh, I think the longest tour I've done is a month, maybe a month mm. away. You know, like a month, mm. and uh, then it, it can be tiring because. Well, you're far away from home, mm. and then you're pretty much playing. Somehow you end up partying. The next day you gotta wake up early, move, mm. and mm. repeat. So after many, many days of the same, it's like, wow, you know, it's kind of like you need a break. Mm. But when you're touring, having a break means losing money. Yeah. Because yeah. you still have to pay for accommodation, food, mm. transportation, but you're not making money. Mm. So you want to book as much gigs as possible. Right, right. So it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. And then, mm. you know, there's always some personal drama. Hmm. We are humans, so, yep. you know, within the bands, this and that. <sighs> Have you ever fought? Hmm? Have you ever fought in tour? Fighting? Uh, almost. Oh. Yeah, almost, yeah. With your, with your band? Yeah, with a drummer, oh. yes. <laughs> with a drummer? Yeah. <laughs> So Damn. yeah, it is possible. It is, and possible. I've seen some fights too. Yeah, so. yeah. It is, you know, after after so many days together, mm. and you know, pretty much doing the same thing, and you know, yeah, yeah. There's some. <laughs> it's actually a good, a good uh, reality show. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I bet, man. I bet. I think you know, in 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 Chiang Mai, we should have like a reality show sometimes. You know. About your life, Paul. I think it would be life. interesting. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a lot of people who want to do like documentary about like musicians in Chiang Mai. Okay. But it's not because of their playing. It's just how weird they are. You know? <laughs> well, that could be. <laughs> that could be. 
Well, okay, ass away. Ask away. Well, um, I don't know. I guess uh, we ready to move to Thailand. I, when yeah, did you yeah. uh, first come to Thailand? First time I came to Thailand was in 2011. 2011. Yeah, for holidays, let's say. Yeah. No? Oh, shit, that makes sense. Did you come out to Chiang Mai then? Yes. Yeah. I stopped by in Chiang Mai. And you went to second floor at that time, right? Exactly, exactly. Man, that was like that's so rare to be able to like catch that place. Yes, and they have salsa night. Were you there? Yes, oh, shit. <laughs> that's how far right. oh, you go back. Yeah, I man. was trying to go to, yeah, to the salsa nights and oh man, uh, some um, exhibitions too, right. and things, concerts. And I and I did like Chiang Mai at the time. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do like it now too. <laughs> But moving to Thailand meant for you that it was pretty unlikely you were going to be able to continue doing hmm. the same kind of things you were doing. Yeah, oh, much harder. Let's just say for sure. Yes, for sure. And there's no s tour scene like that's the equivalent of the European tour scene. For no, example. no, for sure. But for me, it was well, maybe it was the time for me to to maybe play more instead right. of doing more sound engineering maybe play more as a musician hmm. but still I still have the idea to do something with sound engineering here yeah you know either a studio or a venue or a somehow event company or something mm. like that no? mm -hmm. yeah. but somehow I came here and I started playing and well That's that's good enough for me. Mm, wow, you know, you you seem like a guy that is pretty pretty grounded, Rafael. I mean, I'm I'm trying to to grasp the uh, you know from a guy that that knows so much like you and you know in in you know in the industry, been in the in industry in Spain, you know, spent 19 years in the industry. And you know, touring all this stuff, and to just leave that behind and move to a a new place. Are you thinking about starting over, or just like expanding into a, a different, I don't know, phase of your life? Or why? What's going uh, on? Well, it was definitely kind of like starting over in a way, mm -hmm. you know. But but also trying to continue doing what I want to do somehow. Hmm. So, one part is definitely music. So here I'm not really doing sound engineering as much. I hmm. still do sometimes some mixes for, for some people abroad, some right, people that right. I know, mm -hmm. time to time, and and actually here even I mix. Uh, you did the first um, Chiang Street Jazz Festival, right? Was yes, I did the live sound for that. Oh, great, the best, the best sound I, I heard in in. Years, man. Thanks, man. That's that's high compliment come from from me. <laughs> so and I did actually a couple of mixes for Ribbon. Mm -hmm. So I mixed a couple of her songs. They're not really out yet, yet. Yeah. as a whole. But so I've been doing some here and there things. Yeah, oh, but great. but not of course as before. But what I've been doing here is actually playing more. So, right. mm -hmm. you know, in the end, I play, I was playing every night. Yeah. So, yeah. That, cool, that's man. a lot, you know. Yeah. And, and in Barcelona, at least, 
is more difficult to do that because there are way more musicians and the level is pretty high. Mm. So there's a lot of competition, you know? Sure. There's way, I don't know how many, but there's a lot of bass players that are better than me, but a lot. So it's really, mm. it's more difficult to, to even find a weekly gig, you know? Yeah. Mm. Even if you're good, even the good ones. Right don't have weekly gigs, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So this is a different thing. So you, you think, what's, what's your view on this? What's your view on, on, on the music scene in Chiang Mai? And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure you, 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 you have the graphs of the uh, music industry in Thailand yet, but what, what's your view on it? What's your view on the music industry and in on Chiang Mai scene? Well, right now, uh, for sure, I don't, I don't really know how the Thai industry works. Mm -hmm. And I mean, also because I've been kind of away from mainstream music too. Right. So that's something that, you know, even, even before coming here, I was in Spain f pretty much focusing on, on, let's say, jazz or mm. contemporary music, stuff like that. So it's not really mainstream, you know? Mm. But at least you had the experience. I mean, you know, if you're touring a band that's opening for Muse, that's much more mainstream. So you had yes, that experience in the I past. had the experience yeah. before and I in Spain I worked with bands. I mean, I did everything, pop, rock, right. uh, you know, with bands of any genre, you know, I did gigs of flamenco, I gig, gig you know, whatever, you know, Latin music, uh, you name it. Mm. Here in Thailand, mm, the way that I live live music is pretty much by playing. No, mm -hmm. so right. the knowledge that I have is pretty much well the places I've been able to play and the musicians I play with, and here I'm mainly playing upright bass, so pretty much I'm playing jazz in whatever style you wanna you know call it within jazz. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not really playing pop or or rock or so I have actually no idea how how the scene is, not mm. even in Chiang Mai. I don't mm. really know how the rock scene is in Chiang Mai. Or, I mean, I do see sometimes some, some let's say, Thai pop mm -hmm. <clears throat> in a restaurant here or there. You know, there's a lot of, let's say, you know, singers and that play guitar and mm -hmm. sing here and there. Mm -hmm. But I don't really know what's going on, you know? Right, right. And what I found here is that actually there's good musicians here, mm -hmm. to be honest. There's good musicians here, but not that many. No. In a sense that compared to Barcelona, I mean, there are three or four kind of college of music yeah. in Barcelona. Yeah. So every year you get, mm -hmm. I don't know how many professional musicians, right. you know? Here in Chiang Mai it's not the same, you know? So well, I, 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 I still can't believe that it's so hard to find a trumpet player here mm. or even a good tenor sax player. You, you'd be surprised. There's actually a lot of trumpet there, but they don't really, you know, they just play in school bands, you know? And you'd be surprised that some of like, some of the, the, the kids that plays in, you know, high school bands that, that plays the trumpet are amazing, man. But they just, they just don't know it, you know? They're just playing because they, they just want to be part of the 
camaraderies of, 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 of being with their peers, you know. But after that, what happens? They just don't know where to go. They, they don't know what the scene can offer, you see. And so there's something missing. There, there is, is something a, there missing. There is a link missing, no? Yeah. I'm not kidding you, man. Thai, Thailand wind bands have been actually wowing the, uh, the global um, um, uh, competition for many years. Many years. I mean, 30 years of like winning tournaments and awards, you know, for, in Bangkok and in Chiang Mai too. You know, you'd be surprised, man. Like, win, win players in Chiang Mai uh, are not, like, are not second to none, really. I mean, yeah. I, I see that in some of the bigger schools here. There's nothing, I didn't see the equivalent in Chiang Mai of the size of the, some of the scales of some of those, uh, well, like, PR marching band orchestras, those wind band orchestras. Oh, man, PRC yeah. has, like, a, in, in Dara as well, you know, mm. they... You'd be surprised. They have great, like, uh, win ensemble, man. But somehow then, after that, like, you know, in let's say to go into the professional level to yeah. play around and stuff, yeah. it's not really happening. No. Uh, at least for win. Yeah, like you say, the link is... There's nothing... There's something nothing something happening there. There's, there's a link missing, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. I've been trying to get into this for, for at least, like, 15 years of trying to find that link because, you know, people don't don't know what to do. Life intervenes, man. There's got to be, you know, they have to pay the bills. Oh, yeah, know? for sure, yeah. Right? And they don't know, what, you know, there's a hobby. I know my friend, you know, she lives in fucking America now, you know, married to a lawyer. And she's a fucking great trumpeter. Like, great. I'm not kidding you, man. Like, she, she and she was part of this, like, Dara, uh, a win ensemble that went to win the world uh, um, trophies and stuff like that shit, man. But they don't know why they need to do it now. You see, there's nothing to cater their needs for like their 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 nothing, life. Nothing to inspire them to keep going in music. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no reward in it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's sad. I've seen so many trumpeters that are great trumpeters, man. Because I can say this because I study with like the great like cornet and trumpeter player Bobby, you know, Bradford, and I know man, like there's there's talent here, but there's no reward. There's no there's no I don't know, there's there's nothing to have them for a career, you know? Well yeah, to have a career well you need to be able to work. Right. No? There's and no work. Earn the living mm. uh well, with, with your instrument somehow. Yeah. But, it's, but it's not only something th that is happening here, even, let's say, in Spain and mm. even in the U.S. or whatever. Well, it's, you know, even the greatest in New York, they're doing $50 a gig in a bar. Yeah. And they're actually making their living with playing with in big festivals and yeah. teaching. Right. And so it's, you know, the, the musician's life is... I would say it's not easy anywhere in the world. But I think it's something that, you know, our community, now you're part of the Chiang Mai community. I think it's part of our community to be connected with the, uh, the younger generation. Well, yeah, for There's sure. There's no campus tour. There's no, you know, getting into the education of like getting, you know, younger generation to see why you should be a musician, why there's a perk in being a musician. Maybe they're already smarter than us. There's, there is no perk in becoming a fucking musician. It could be. I don't know if, if it has to do with, uh, I don't know, anything cultural from here. I don't know. Is it, is it 
a musician's profession well viewed in, in here in Thai society? Not really. It's getting better. The, it's I mean, the lack of campus tours is interesting because I think that's because the society mm. maybe at large or some, some parts of the society want to keep students unnecessarily immature. They want to like suppress their maturity a little bit. That's what, mm. that's what it seems like to me. I mean, I'm, I could be wrong, but is that... Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you, you, you're right. Be, because they, like, there's still, you know... I mean, okay, maybe th th this is not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, there's like laws about selling alcohol anywhere near a university. And, obvi oh, and obviously man. when you're young, music and... I don't, you know, having a good time, let's just say. It doesn't have to be with alcohol, but it goes together. And so if, you, if you're sort of like trying to keep universities as a, as a clean, <laughs> alcohol, sex-free space, well, that doesn't go together necessarily. Yeah, it's kind of weird. With that is kind of weird. Tours, does it? Yeah. Mm. Because like, yeah, because I remember the campus festival and stuff. I mean, because I remember when I was in America and they had this festival, like a campus festival. I mean, they were selling beers, man, on campus. And it was okay. Or, or was it? I think it was okay. Well, the st I mean, the student, the student union at my uh, <laughs> university was, was built around the bar. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. But I remember seeing like some of the best salsa band, local bands in LA, just coming and playing some like not famous indie band then, are famous now and shit like that. You know, it's so interesting, man. But I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. You know, recently the uh, uh, this this uh, Russian saxophonist came. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you know, he played a show, but then he did a let's call it a master class. Yeah. At Payak, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. I went there. Uh -huh. Not many people. No. So, I'm not surprised. And I'm wondering why. What's happening? What? What? Why the other musicians are not there? There's, there's, there's many reasons, but it's sad because one, they, they have a job. Two, they are either occupied you know, with other stuff. And three, they just don't give a fuck. I remember when I was translating uh, for Martin Taylor. Martin Taylor. Martin he, Taylor. Came to, he came to the jazz festival. Yeah, yeah, Martin Taylor, man. One of the jazz festivals. I mean, fuck. I was a translator and I got so many shit out of that, just like that, that, you know, masterclass, man, that I'm still using now. And I don't understand. I don't understand that why so many musicians here take this for granted. Because they don't understand what, you know, knowledge of being in that moment with other great artists means to them. You know, maybe it's yeah, lack of knowledge. But I was surprised because to me, you know, the band was great. Yeah, the the guitarist the, is famous. He just won a Dior's Monk Award, man. The guitarist is uh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So I was expecting to see all the guitar players in Chiang Mai to go there. Mm -hmm. None. None. <laughs> it's like I don't understand what's happening here. You know. Well, I think it's a lack of um uh uh. PR too. Could yeah, be, uh, yeah. I don't know the reason, yeah. but I was surprised. I, I, I knew because it. A, I knew it afterwards. Okay. When when it happens. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's, because that's you true. know there was really outstanding musicians oh, yeah, here yeah, yeah. and for free. Yeah. I mean yeah. the mastercard was free. Yes. 
But I think the promotion wise was was really done wrong. Yeah, I mean, be, yeah. for me, I, I I knew a bit after they had it, or right when they started. Like, yeah, know? too late. Yeah, too late for sure. I think they didn't they didn't really say anything. But you know, for the Martin Taylor thing, I mean, I mean, I mean, it was full, but it wasn't the musician I know. I think there was only two musician I know that came to see Martin Taylor. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting for sure. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess it's not a, a not a lot of jazz guitarists, or not a lot of uh, Could jazz musicians in in Chiang Mai, to be honest. Could be, yeah. And they probably don't understand, and they probably don't don't really know where to start. And you'd be surprised, like. I think now people don't really view jazz like they do uh, 15 years ago in Thailand, you know. Um, the way that uh, the music portrays now is not even jazz-oriented, you know. Mm. From, what I'm, from what I'm seeing, anyway. Yeah. Mm. Well, on the, um, on the brighter side of things, what uh, projects, what things are you excited about right now, musically, in Chiang Mai? All right. Mm, well, uh, right now uh, I have a, a Latin band project mm -hmm. that is something that I really like. My favorite and, band. Hmm? My favorite band in Chiang Mai right now. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. And well, the idea with that band is to to get better and better, no? And bring new songs and yeah. So that's a that's a project that I really like, for instance, no, for sure. And what's the name of the band? The Titinos. Titinos. No, Titinos. If you don't get it, is you know Thais and Latinos. Yeah. <laughs> Titinos. We haven't fucked yet. <laughs> <laughs> But no. that yeah, that's a that's a really cool project that I really like. No, sure. I think it was a, it's a great project and you, you really are the one to really running it, man. I mean, I, it's a, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not biased for being part of it, but, you know, if I wasn't playing, I still would, you know, support this band because it's the only true Latin band in Chiang Mai to have like a true uh, Latino playing uh, the fucking songs, you know? And... It's such a, it, you know, being part of this project with uh, Raphael kind of reminds me of the time when, when you have to uh, learn song by song through Thai, <laughs> Thai uh, uh, I don't know, they call it um, Thai classical music. Mm -hmm. you, you learn song by teacher giving you songs. Yeah. And, you know, so in this case, it's like Montuno and Tumbao. And yeah. it's just fun, man. It's, it's, it's a fun experience for me. And, I think it's great that Raphael is doing this, man. So I'm so happy that you created this band for Chiang Mai, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. That's the idea, you know, to yeah, to bring some some good Latin music, let's say it, no, mm. like that to yeah. to Chiang Mai, and hopefully not only Chiang Mai. Hopefully, we'll be able to to play somewhere else yeah, within either. Sure. Thailand or Asia, I don't know, you know? And uh, this is like, might just be uh, um, all in my own head, but I noticed when you were playing, uh, you know, based on the Latin songs, you seemed really, uh, like, let's just say quite relaxed. It seemed like it was mm. somehow... Uh, hmm. <laughs> 
well, he was let's, born let's for just it. say, let's just say, it seemed like, um, yeah, you were so familiar with this kind of music, even if even if there's songs that you hadn't played before or something. Yes, yes, I'm familiar with the style, of course. It's yeah. the music that I grew up with, so it's something that I that I know, I like, and so. But uh, to be honest, when I'm right now with this project, when I'm playing, I'm I'm more actually focused on what everybody else is yeah, doing. Definitely. So right. and that that is a different position. You mm. know, I'm not only playing bass and okay, I'm playing the bass and that's it. No, I'm actually listening to what's happening. Right. Yeah. To to make sure that everything is going smoothly yeah, and yeah. whatever is not, then I can point that out later yeah, to. Right. Yeah to make it better he's the Xiaomingas of the Latin music because yeah I was listening to the like <laughs> listen to the music it's like a a clock mechanism or something a lot of parts have to fit together yes it's exactly so that's the thing about Latin music you know many things really have to oh, be in the man. proper place right because it's like 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 you say it's a whole machinery you know right. if somebody mess it up then affects everything else, you oh know? Oh, Tell me. You know, like, like for instance, the, the Montuno and the bass, they don't play the same, mm. you know? But it they the meet in right. some point, yeah. so everybody's got to play, right. play yeah, it right. right. And then it's like it's, it's something bigger than, than only the two things isolated, right. you know? And the same with the percussions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, this experience humbles me, man. Humbles me to, to, uh, to realize like just how basic a note is, and still you have to really make it sing. I mean, when I'm playing the Montuno, man, it's not more than four or five notes, man. Really, it's just it's just there. You know, you just got to be there, and the rhythm has to be right. You know. Yes, and the rhythm is all about the rhythm. Yeah. So, and it's something that is, well, that, you know, if you never have experience with Latin music, something that takes time to, to really get it, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, you know, especially the, the horns, you know, that if you're coming from a jazz background, somehow you have more freedom rhythmically, you know, mm. in a way that you can, well, you can be here or there and still okay. Right. But with Latin music, yeah, it's not like that. We mentioned this before. Uh, you know, I said that uh, Mitch Froman had been in Chiang Mai for one of the jazz festivals in the past. Well, I think he was here for a, a different reason. If if I'm not wrong, he maybe had a Indonesian girlfriend. She was a dancer, and the and the dance group was touring. It might be complicated reasons why he was here. But anyway, he was Sounds here. Sounds complicated. He played like a few gigs. He played at the festival, and he also did a couple of workshops. He did a workshop at Tabe East that I went to. Okay. And That's, that's a guy, you know, you, the ex amount of experience, you know, because he played with Monaco Santa Maria, Tito Puente, all these guys, and he's running what was left from uh, Mongo Santa Maria's His band. band, yeah. yeah. So anyway, but his workshop was really fantastic because you could just tell how much work he put into what he... And, and mm. as you say, the improvisation based on the clave or based on some, something different from uh, what, like a jazz... Would be based on rhythmically. Yes, it, uh, totally changed the approach. Oh my god! Yes, um, it's more of a of a rhythmically approach. Right. You know. Uh, yes, you can have if you want. You can have just harmonies into it. 
as well, you know? Right. But it's more about the rhythm, you know, because mm. it's based on, well, the clave, you know, what's happening with the Montuno, with the bass, with the percussion. It's like, so it's, there's all different rhythm figures that are happening there. And, and you as improvisers gotta, gotta be aware of that. And you gotta be with that somehow. You know? And again, sadly, there was only about five or six, maybe seven people turned up to that workshop as well. I guess they, people don't know who he is, but still, if you looked it up, you, <laughs> his pedigree, you would see, you would yeah, think that uh, yeah, I mean, more people would go. Uh, so yeah, Titinos is a project. Um, you also, you, uh, yeah, you're working, you're working at the university, right? Yes, I have a day job. Yeah. <laughs> Even the great has day jobs, man. You got to grind. Yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> but I don't want to have it. <laughs> uh, um, other than like in Chiang Mai, did you uh, get to go, go to like any festivals or experience like music around Thailand much? Mm, Chiang Mai and Bangkok, mm. I would say okay. uh, mainly. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think when I was, I don't know, in the south, if if something was going on. Well, you haven't been here that long, especially when you count out COVID time. Yeah. Right? So really, there's not much time for it. That's yeah. true. That's true, man. Yeah, um, and during COVID time, I didn't really move much. I was here, right. you know, for a long time. But last year, I did go to the south. I did a, like a road trip. Mm. And that was fun. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's very different in the south. Oh, sure. very different. Is you know... It's very interesting, but I really like it. It was it was cool. Yeah, but I hate playing the sound. Well, that I don't know because yeah. I went for holidays and I don't know about yeah. the music scene there. I thought at least in Phuket <clears throat> that the music scene I don't know. No, I'm, yeah, I know what you mean, but this is like more like gear wise. I mean, the people are all right, man. People are great. But man, playing like I, I remember playing Samui, playing Pangan, it's 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 so the the humidity, the gear, it's just fucked up, man. It's ah, the, well, yeah, the, the sea, yeah, the right? Sea, yeah, right? yeah. I hate I hate playing it in near near the ocean. Uh, well, it's not really good for the instruments no, or in general. Or I the mean, equipment. It, and it's outdoor. If it's indoor, yes. that's another story. But when it's outdoor, oh yeah, no, um, no, no. the wind with the fucking salt and shit. Yes, oh my it's God. not the best. It's for not sure. the best. Yeah. yeah. Well, we should try to wrap this up for this episode. You know. Sure. But actually, I have like a little question for you, Rafael. I mean, yeah. All these things that happens, you know, music-wise in your life. What is what is the philosophy of your life? How how did all these things come together? You know, what inspired to be you? What is the philosophy of my life? Okay, <laughs> well, let's say that uh, yeah, I try to do what I like. Somehow, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. That's my mm. philosophy. Trying to to do what I like, and somehow put more value into my free time, my personal mm. time, than money. Mm. Mm. I would say that, you know, and this related to music is, well, music is 
something that I really enjoy, something that I can really connect. Mm. And, and not only by myself, you know, when I'm either playing uh, alone or listening to music, mm -hmm. but when I'm playing with other people too. And it's that connection, that magic that happens there. And in a way, it's, it's also, a, for me, it's also like a meditation. Yeah. You know, sometimes when you're actually playing, you are not thinking, mm -hmm. you know? And that is actually what is meditation is about, you know? Mm -hmm. Is to stop your brain, you know, and just be. And that happens with music. Not yeah. every time. Sometimes I'm right. playing and I'm, I do things about stuff. Mm, yeah. Depends on the day. Mm. But when that happens, for me, it's really a magical moment, you know? Mm, right. Or when you're playing with somebody, it's something, and you kind of, you know, you're actually together, you know? That communion yeah. is, is something that I... I would say it's, I live for. It's interesting, like what happens to like uh, musicians before, during, and after like a gig. Just um, people handle the, the sort of pressures of that process in different ways. Like I've met some musicians. Like I remember, um, I think I've forgotten his last name, but there's a Belgian musician, piano player. He's played with quite a lot of like really well-known people. Ta uh, Taz, you remember Taz? What was yeah, uh, kind of. Anyway, so, so I like, you know, years and years ago, I remember organizing like a concert for him and he was so, um, he was so, let's say, stressed in the build up to the concert mm, because mm, I think he mm. wanted it to go so well. Mm. But the stress came out as a fussiness or, uh, you know, he, he it, it came out as like pickiness and he was sort of like bad tempered, etc. <laughs> okay. And you know what? It came out in this particular way. Yeah. Then during the concert and after, he's like fantastic. You know, it went well. He's like could relax. Not not all musicians like do that, but <laughs> I've noticed like even it's it's so interesting that you know like you meet you meet up before a gig. Um, you don't know how it's going to go, so there's like this feeling of uncertainty. Then that's as you say on the stage. Sometimes it goes better than expected. Sometimes those moments of like meditation, like free, yeah. all sorts of <clears throat> things happen. You know, you, hopefully you get to like enjoy the experience and commun you know, express something. And then after, it's, uh, yeah. Um, I suppose when I like, a, I mean, I suppose when I, in the early years of like playing music, it was mostly like just dis disappointment, uh, just at like, uh, Yeah, just personal, like, disappointment, oh, shit, mm. typical of myself, you know. But now, yeah. I, regardless of my own limitations, I've learned to enjoy that process uh, so much more, you know, being so much more, um, th those steps of it, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, for sure. For me, it's the same. I mean, we all have limitations, you know. Mm. S you know, so I just try to, well, to enjoy Uh, the moment, you know, right. with my limitations and whatever is happening and, yeah. you know, try to make the best out of it, for sure. Mm. Well, you know, I have so many questions left, but, I, you know, I think we have you back, Rafael, and we... Can do you know, a you're willing to. second chapter. Yeah, yeah, second chapter, but, man, thank you so much for being with us tonight. No, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, it's great such to a, talk to you. And, uh, like, uh, as I said, uh, it's amazing because I... Uh, 
I've known you for a little while, but I didn't really know very much no. about any of this. So mm. I kind of, you could say, although it's, I'm lying to myself, but you could say I saved up, uh, we saved up these questions for, uh, for today. <laughs> but I really like, yeah, it was great to learn about your life and uh, music and what you've been doing. Well, um, thank you very much, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming thanks on. And um, come back again, you know. I will, for All sure. Right. Thank you, guys. For you at home, remember to uh, follow us and, you know, scold us as you like and uh, give us some feedback. Shout out to uh, Joe's <laughs> for always liking us shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know, man. So we'll try to keep this up and this is our first our. I don't know. I don't know what this video is going to be, but it's our first time. And uh, thank you all for his house. Thank and, uh, you. Yeah, the same, thanks all for the studio. Yeah, for, for the, the studio, video. <laughs> for the lights, the, uh, for the, the water, <laughs> for the water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and until next time, guys. 